Welcome to the AI Asia Pacific Institute podcast. The rise of AI presents important legal and ethical challenges for society. In this podcast, we invite leaders from different industries and creators of new AI to debate the big questions. This is the AI Asia Pacific Institute podcast. In this podcast, we are going to examine issues related to the ethical implementation of AI systems. With us is Stephen Hill, Chairman of Ethical AI Limited and CEO of AI Systems Provider ACO. Steve, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Um, before we make a start, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in this area? Thank you, Kelly. I'd be delighted. Um, my background is that my uh, degree was in philosophy, and I've always, and in particular, in moral philosophy and uh, social philosophy as well. Uh, and I've always been interested in uh, the ethics of business practices. And uh, and then really related to that, um, I spent many years working as um, in senior roles as uh, CEO or running VP Ops or something like that uh, for various technology companies and began to get involved in AI about five years ago, um, really as a result of uh, meeting someone who'd implemented a major project in a large bank and uh, and had used various machine learning um, products as part of that. And I, I became immensely interested in it, partly because of the technology, but also partly because I realized that there's some big issues, uh, not least of which, how do you make sure that those or any AI or machine learning system is actually developed for the benefit of mankind rather than become a potential danger uh, to our freedom? Right. Yes. And that's a very, very, very important um, point, uh, which is what this podcast is aiming to to bring to discuss. So um, could you place some of these issues, some of these ethical issues that you're referring to in some kind of context for us? Yeah, I'd be delighted. I think um, first point to make is this is really about business rather than government. So the way I look at it at a very top level is uh, a business's main goals are A, to make a profit, uh, and B, to uh, be persistent, in other words, to stay in existence for as long as possible. And it's similar with government, um, except their goals should be, well, I suppose their own prosperity as well as their citizens, but uh, also their own persistence. In other words, they want to stay in power as long as possible. And these two are related, uh, but really um, today is focusing just on the business side, not on governmental issues. And um, if you think about those two things, profitability, really, there's been hundreds of business books uh, written about that by many wiser people than me. Uh, so I don't intend to cover that, except to, to make the point that it's quite clear that AI will have an effect on uh, business models and upon their profitability and a very positive impact, I think. Um, so I'm going to really be concerned about uh, persistence. And uh, what I mean by that is... Um, in the past, companies have focused on uh, things like PR and branding to make people um, comfortable with doing business with them. 
but if you think about it, branding really is an attempt to deceive consumers into believing something other than the reality. So, you know, they build an image of themselves, if you like. Uh, and as education increases, and particularly in a digital world, as more information becomes available uh, and more shared, then actually attempting to deceive people is probably a fundamentally mistaken strategy, in my view. And therefore, for the digital age, it'd be much better to be engaged and aligned with your customer beliefs. And in particular, that means being an ethical business. It means being socially responsible. It means being... Uh, responsive to changes, whether they're political or social. Uh, and lastly, I think being a sustainable business, particularly in light of what we know about effects on climate change uh, and so forth. And uh, and that has many impacts on large businesses, which many of them are well aware and considering at the moment. For instance, lobbying practices may become less acceptable. Um, your hiring and firing practices have to be more um consistent i think and probably deal with issues like uh, ethical well uh, racial and gender bias for example um and really the focus of this discussion is uh, what um ai and machine learning in particular can assist with uh keeping businesses uh in business right correct so artificial intelligence we some of us know a lot about it. Some of us are starting to investigate how they can implement or, you know, what is what is our future in light of um, the pace that it's, uh, it's, it's um, um, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you see, um, how do you see our future and how important is AI for our future? Well, I think it's quite clear it's, uh, it's going to affect all of our lives. Uh, it's been envisioned in science fiction for years and years, and progressively it's becoming fact. It won't be that long before we have driverless cars, I don't think. And, uh, and it's already in use. You, know, you can't really buy a product over the internet without uh, touching some kind of AI or machine learning system. You may not be aware of it, but you probably are. It may even be the if you're in a chat room or something like that, you're actually... Uh, dealing with uh, an AI system already without actually being aware of it. It's interesting, the European Commission, uh, they published a uh, coordinated plan on the development and use of AI uh, in Europe last year, in 2018. And uh, I'll quote from it, if you don't mind. It says, AI will be the main driver of economic and productivity growth, growth and will contribute to the sustainability and viability of the industrial base in Europe. And it then goes on to compare uh, the advent of AI with the steam engine and electricity. Um, so it's kind of the next revolution, if you like. So I think that gives you an indication of its importance. It's probably worthwhile me explaining just a little bit about uh, what, uh, what I view AI and machine learning as being. And uh, there's, no, there's no actual agreed definition of this, but um, machine learning generally, the best way of understanding is that is it uh, takes mass, usually masses of data uh, merges that and uh, feeds that data into a set of algorithms which are then used to train the system uh, using that data and its purpose is to predict the probable outcome of a situation really any situation based upon uh, what it can interpret or statistically uh, predict from that uh, from that data an example of a machine learning system might be facial recognition uh, so example if you uh, show a program uh, an ai a machine learning system rather uh, many faces, then it should be able to recognize 
a particular individual amongst others. And it's doing that because it, it will be fed, in effect, lots and lots of data about each individual. That's how it's analyzing it and should then be able to recognize each individual face. So it's there's no intelligence in that. It's just picking out a face based upon the data. Uh, AI, by contrast, uh, is using, in addition uh, almost always to the machine learning, will use or have some kind of knowledge of a context or other rules, uh, which we generally call machine reasoning, uh, and take other inputs as well as the data to make reasoned decisions. Um, and a good example of that in the context of faces is image classification. So, for example, it might be determined that if you show it millions of images, some of those images are human faces. And being able to recognize those as human and as distinct from any other animal, for example, uh, betray some kind of or show some kind of intelligence, maybe a pretty basic intelligence, but that, uh, that gives you an example. Right. And we see a lot of companies uh, looking to implement AI and ML systems or the ones that are already doing. Yeah. What do you think, um, given that we're trying to focus on the ethical side of all this, this, um, this innovation, what do you think uh, the, the should be the questions that we ask these companies? Uh, well, to me, they should very much focus on, our, on um, what are they doing to maintain our prosperity, our health, and our well-being uh, in the broadest possible context. And that sort of breaks down into a number of different questions. Um, for instance, I would certainly ask any company or any technology company, uh, do your, firstly, do your AI systems conform to published standards? Um, and there are, those are evolving. I'll come on to those later, maybe. Uh, do your AI systems conform to any regulatory guidelines? There are some, but not much uh, in the, at the moment. Uh, are they visible uh, and published? I.e., can we get information about uh, those algorithms that you use or about the system and its goals? Uh, are they robust and safe? In other words, have you developed them in a way that people can't uh, hack into them? Uh, are they reliable? Uh, will they be up when people need them and so forth? Um, can I see my data? Uh, that's probably an issue more about the data than than about the uh, the actual algorithms, but it's all part of the yeah. same. Uh, and uh, and more to the point, in a way, is who else can see them, or who else has access to both the data and the results of those analyses. Mm. It's a big question at the moment. We see companies handling our data, and I think people are getting more and more concerned with how companies, especially big tech companies, are handling these issues. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the questions you mentioned that in relation to the regulatory guidelines, um, so we all know in terms of regulation that, um, you know, governments and, and regulations in general are quite behind, uh, the developments in AI. How do you think, so how do you think these companies can prepare for upcoming regulatory guidelines if we're not even sure of what they're going to look like or what we can expect? Well, that's the heart of the problem. I, I'll, uh, mm -hmm. There are a range of guidelines available, but they're very generic. Um, they are, um, I think a good example is the European Commission's uh, published draft ethics guidelines for trustworthy AI. And I think that's pretty typical of the ones I've seen. So it's comprehensive and it covers all of the sort of main issues that would come out of the questions I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, 
but it's very theoretical. It's a bit like my it's a bit like my old philosophy discussions at university. Yes. You know, there's an awful lot of uh, great theory, but not a lot of actual practice in it. <laughs> I so agree. Did, did yes. the need. Yeah, I think that is generally the true. Generally true. They did. Yeah. They did recognise the need for domain specific guidelines. Uh, but I think the best way of looking at what they've done so far is the beginning of ethical standards and guidelines. Mm. Their intent at the moment is voluntary. It's certainly not to work, to work towards uh, legal uh, guidelines or legal boundaries, I think. Right. And it seems to be the same approach that Singapore has taken um, okay. with the guidelines they've released uh, this year in January as well. Uh, there's a big focus on transparency and it's you know one of the principles that they have there. So very theoretic at the moment, but um, I think it's the first step towards towards probably um, something else coming very soon. Yeah. Um, well, it shows that we will have to um, provide legal uh, backing for uh, any of these regulatory or uh, voluntary guidelines over time. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, these guidelines show a first sign of that, that that's coming. Um, I believe, and, um, and yeah, and the question is how these companies um, will be able to prepare for that, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I see, you know, my general impression of uh, of businessmen that I've spoken to about it, which is quite a lot of them over the years, over the last few years, is that they're all more than willing uh, to make sure that they are uh, building systems that are in accordance, obviously, with any legal. Um, definitions but uh, more to the point they're more than happy with the idea generally of uh, of ensuring that they follow whatever regulatory or other guidelines are produced i think that's certainly true in most businesses it seems to be a little less true in some technology businesses though yeah so can you tell us a little bit more maybe about um, the way um these studies are happening to date um, I think you have some information from conferences and, and general information on AI ethics. Yes, yeah. Um, well, let's say, I mean, at the moment, the main focus is still very theoretical, as I said. So, for example, they're focused on uh, trying to define things like the purpose of AI systems, you know, and what do we need to put in place to ensure that they are beneficial to humans and to our values. And then secondly, uh, having sort of defined that, uh, then to put in place some guidelines, which by which really at the moment they mean some principles, um, voluntary or binding, which uh, which those systems should adopt. And then lastly, some means of um, accountability, really. Um, so how do we assess their value to us and how do we ensure that they govern properly? So it's not only the system, but it's who has access and in particular who has control of that system, if you like. And uh, so if I focus in on each of those uh, things for the moment, uh, the purpose, they're still defining it really in terms of let's assume that there are fundamental human rights. Remember, we are generally liberal democracies. And so be, that will concentrate on things like ensuring there's a respect for human dignity, the freedom of the individual, uh, for democracy and the rule of law. Uh, for uh, equality, non-discrimination, for citizens' rights, and so forth. Now, interestingly, when you try and translate those into well, what does that really mean in terms of AI, uh, there are some principles that uh, these people have come up with. For example, um, any, AI system, any AI system should be beneficent. In other words, it should do good. Uh, equally, it should be non-maleficent. I think that's the word. Uh, you do no harm. Um, and then 
really it's in terms of autonomy, particularly if they're working autonomously, how do we ensure, like a self-driving car, for example, how do we preserve human agency and human concern? Um, justice, uh, I would say that was how do you make sure that they uh, are fair? Uh, some people I may not be aware of this, but some judgments are already being made in courts uh, by AI systems that are evaluating submitted documents and coming up with a judgment based upon that. Mm. So uh, there is a supervision, and certainly uh, you can appeal, and that will then be reviewed by a judge. Um, but it won't automatically be reviewed by a judge in some cases. Um, and then uh, lastly, it's explicability. I think it's an important one that um, we really need to know how or an, an AI system has made a particular decision. So in other words, uh, to operate transparently. So those are kind of uh, related to that. And there's a range of, um, you can get into a sort of lower level then in terms of understanding um, issues that arise from that. For instance, how accountability of a system, you know, how do you discriminate? How do you, um, how do you work out whether mistakes have been made by the system, whether that's from its input data or from a, you know, a programmer's mistake in submitting the wrong algorithm or whatever? Um, there's another issue around data governance. For instance, the training, the sets of training data that you provide to a system will fundamentally determine how it makes decisions. And if, for example, if you're allowing a system to recruit your staff, you'd like to know that you've removed as much racial and gender bias as possible from that. In fact, in some ways, AI systems could even become better than humans because we're already we're already full of bias, but um, you could possibly remove that bias. Um, using using an AI system, I think. Um, but equally, you need to have some kind of human oversight uh, and ensure that's um, that's in place. You need to have um, ensure that there's no abuse of any information, whether by a business or government. And in, and in order to do that, you have to define what might be abuse, of course. Um, and uh, and then I think probably the other areas are to do with um, auditing really you know can we check exactly how the systems work can we make sure that they're robust and can we make sure that they are that we really understand how it all operates and that's what coming back to the transparency points transparency points so a lot of work's been done theoretically in defining what the focus of uh, an ai system might be and what are the principles that need to be adopted by an ai system um but it's really its weakness then is in terms of getting into specific guidelines. So, for instance, if you talk to a developer of an AI or machine learning system at the moment, gave them that list of principles, they'd, be, they'd look at you, I think, with a sort of slightly astonished face and wonder, well, what, well, what does that mean? What do I do next? Yeah. And yeah. that's the, to me, that is the next main area to focus on. Yeah. So, bringing this to practice, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think. Uh, my biggest concern personally when looking to these um, issues and, and comparing to these principles is that, as you mentioned, we already have AI systems uh, making judgments in courts or, you know, essentially deciding who, who is going to jail and who is not. Um, we have already self-driving cars operating in the streets. Um, I think it was just a few weeks ago that in Sweden, they've just released the first self-driving trucks. Um, yeah, that's and, true. Um, and so we already have 
you know, these systems operating, but we haven't yet been able to figure out how to actually bring these principles into life, right? Yes. In a yeah. practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, in general, the, the principle of law, certainly in, uh, in, in the UK and the US, is that it's very much built upon case history. So in other words, you have to have the problem in order to discuss and see what the issues are, and then um, you will make judgments afterwards. The problem with that is, of course, nowadays the pace of change is so fast and the mm. pace of legal uh, process is pretty slow. So you're going to have these, in other words, you're going to have these problems before you're able to deal with them. Yeah, and I feel that with AI, we're certainly dealing with something, um, you know, very, very particular that we've never experienced before. Um, yes, and we don't know the consequences of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, in terms of this EC document, which, yeah. by the way, EC stands for? Uh, European Commission. Right. In terms of the EC document, um, what kind of guidelines does it provide at the moment? Um, it's, to be honest, it is really quite weak on that. They're, they're Even though they are intended to be you know, sort of guidelines for some, uh, are, they break them into both technical and then non-technical methods. Uh, but I'll give you an example. It mentions um, phrases like privacy by design and security by design, but it doesn't tell you what it means by them. And, um, and for example, security by design is really all about what uh, systems and checks and balances you put in development of any system to make sure that it is um, it's not easily accessed, that if it is accessed, you have um, by people who shouldn't be there or using the data, you shouldn't be there for the results, uh, that you know about it and you do something about it. <clears throat> so they're, they're still very generic. <coughs> Whereas, um, and there's probably other examples as well. Uh, for example, you know, where the data that you train these systems with, how do you actually, what have you put in place to test that data? There are a few pages uh, of guidelines about the kind of testing that you might do, but none of those are very, they're not uh, AI specific. I think they're sort of still uh, the level of, okay, well, you know, any system will test the following or should test the following things. They haven't really considered, I don't think, in enough detail what is the specific requirement of an AI system uh, that you could, so they still haven't produced guidelines that you could give to a technician, is my point. And they also then have uh, sort of non-technical methods, if you like. They've listed things that we could do to make sure that AI systems do comply with any guidelines. But they just include really phrases like, well, regulation, standards, you know, government's guidelines, codes of conduct. Um, and then more interestingly, really, is uh, how do you educate? So in other words, as part of the training for developers of AI systems, they need to be aware of the consequences of what they're developing. Uh, and sort of building awareness of the ethical issues around it within that. But again, although they recognize that's required, uh, there's nothing really more specific about what might, might be involved in that. Um, I think those are probably the, the main thing. So it's, it is really, I have to say, it is really still quite weak on that. It is early days. I think they intend to move into that. But um, I think that's the area that concerns me most. Right. And you mentioned that as one of the steps controlling um, how do we the data that we're using to train the AI. And I understand a lot of the bias that we can see now, it's because, because of the amount of data reflecting that 
type of information. So, for example, uh, correct if I'm wrong. So there has been a lot of issues with um, Google, for example. Um, so you might Google um, uh, and, and some of the issues are relating to Google not being able to find people of dark skin, for example, if you're Googling something. And that's because yeah. there, haven't, there hasn't been enough data to support that, you know, because we are already living in a society that's biased, as you mentioned. AI is yeah. simply representing that, right? Uh, but yeah. So it's about yeah. what yeah. we're feeding yeah. this And because of that, is that is there anything that you believe we can do in terms of collecting data and what data we are using to create these systems? Um, there definitely is, and uh, in fact, one of the one of the systems I've been involved in uh, lately is uh, is a recruitment application, for example, and uh, and and it's for quite a sizable company. What they've uh, realized quite early on was that they already had bias built into their recruitment process. And to be frank, it's because, um, I won't name the company, but they are mostly um, male employees. Uh, they haven't met their uh, targets at all for the number of or percentage of female employees, and they're mostly white. Uh, and so what we've uh, what we've done is in order to present uh, for interview a more balanced set of candidates than they would otherwise call in, because you can usually tell from CVs, you know, the background of an individual, can't we? Mm. Um, we, we pre-select the candidates for them. Uh, and we, rather than, obviously we've trained those uh, systems for what the type of person that they would be interested in, as in, you know, what kind of qualifications, what kind of character traits and so forth. So we've used their past records, past, past records, both successful candidates and unsuccessful candidates. In other words, people that they've recruited or people they haven't recruited in order to train our system. Um, but then what, um, what we've done after that is to make sure that we then correct that based upon what we can interpolate from the or find out from the information about uh, their race or gender to increase the proportion of those people who are called for interview. So they now have a more, um, we've corrected, if you like, the, the, the inherent bias in what they've done in the past. And I think there will, we will have to look at that kind of uh, positive discrimination, really, being built into AI systems in order to remove that kind of bias. Um, right. And so far, it seems to be working quite well. The client is, uh, is satisfied because it is helping them to become a more... Um, gender neutral and race neutral uh, employer mm, mm. because i understand once, once you have better data it's hard to reprogram right yes yeah, it's not easy to do but uh, my point but really is oh. that their data is inherently biased because they've only really well they primarily recruited you know white middle class males so far so when they want to get a more diverse set of uh, individuals, you have to correct the past data. You can't just build an, a prediction system based upon their past data. Yeah, yeah. And what about how, how we make an assessment of any AI system? Uh, well, that's interesting. The, the, uh, the European Commission document is quite, I would say, is quite good on that. It's uh, in, ter in terms of uh, giving us a checklist. And I'll read out my, my checklist, if you like. I think that's probably the best way of doing it. So number one, you assess it in terms of are they accountable? What processes for data governance have they put in place? 
is it designed for all? In other words, is it inclusive or is it an exclusive or excluding uh, system? Uh, we assume that is a good thing. Um, if the, your systems are going to operate autonomously, uh, i.e. without direct su um, human supervision, what human governance uh, or oversight is there uh, in place or possible and how do you intervene as a human? Um, is it non-discriminatory? Is there a respect for privacy and a respect for human freedom and autonomy? Um, is it robust? Is it safe? Uh, and is it transparent? Can we find out what's going on? So as a checklist, uh, I think the, the EC has done a good job, really. The, the question is then, how do you actually go on to assess any particular application? And that's where the difficulty is in getting from theory to practice. Yeah. These principles are beautiful, right? If we can put them into practice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's right. So what is your, um, your experience and how would you see this happening? Well, I think we, the, the answer to that, the answer to the problem, I think, is we have to study each application of AI as it arises, and we should um, study it as it's being developed or preferably before it's really being developed. Uh, for example, if I can give you some example of, uh, of certain application areas, I mentioned one just now, the recruitment one. It seems to me that if somebody is going to be putting in place a machine learning or AI system that is going to select uh, either candidates for interview or in future, I think, select uh, successful applicants. So in other words, you may even decide you don't need a human agent. You can uh, better rely upon an AI system. If you're going to do that, then you've got to make sure that that system has uh, does not reproduce, use it because of the data, existing biases, whether it's gender, race, class, sex, or whatever. And therefore, um, we will have to make sure that we correct that bias by building in algorithms or programs that do that. And any, you know, one could take the view you should ban uh, any uh, machine learning in recruitment, any machine learning system used in recruitment that does not do that or at least provide guidelines for developers to get them to understand all of that. Uh, my own view on that one is I think it will need legal sanction, but um, but time will tell. I think then a second example um, is customer churn, actually. There's a, a lot of uh, work being done, by particularly by telecom companies and utilities, um, wherever there's competition, to try and understand the behavior of each individual subscriber. Uh, and they, in effect, what they're doing is uh, analyzing all of your uh, phone calls or your use of uh, energy to try and work out. Uh, ultimately, their main purpose is try and work out whether you're likely to leave them to go to another supplier or not, because they're they're mainly concerned to keep you as a customer. Remember what I said about retention earlier on. And uh, there are a range of indicators of that. One is your the duration of your contract, how much money you spend with them, the number of services and different types of services you take, the timing and the nature of your activity. So, for instance, when you switch a power outlet uh, on or off uh, can be a quite a strong indicator of your the type of person you are. You know, it's quite obvious if nothing happens during the day, maybe you're working during the day um, is a mm. good example. Um, but, that, but then because they get such detailed information about your life, um, you know, yes, they can determine whether you're likely to um, no longer, you know, look around for another supplier and put in place programs to 
um, to attempt to dissuade you. you know, they might offer you a discount or whatever. Um, and I think that's kind of okay. Uh, but of course, then what a lot of these companies are doing is they're then selling that data or that analysis on to other companies. And I think um, we need to put in place some sort of um, legal sanction to prevent them doing that, or at least to make you aware in advance of what they're doing. Um, uh, and uh, yeah. and either pay you for it if you're happy for it, or for you to decline their ability to do it. Mm-hmm. I think another one you mentioned autonomous uh, vehicles, self-driving cars and lorries. The biggest issue for me there is uh, if uh, if a car or lorry drove into somebody and knocked them over and killed them, which, which has happened, right? A few. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know. much and, uh, so how do you work out whether it's a software fault, uh, it's a sensor fault, uh, or whatever? You know, there's, there's, if somebody dies, there's basically it's either malicious intent, a murder, or it's negligence, in which case it would be manslaughter. But in an AI, in an autonomous car, designed by you know a big company, has presumably spent millions on research. Who is actually at fault if that happened? Mm-hmm. You know, can, how would your law really respond to that? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So it just seems to me that we'll end up in the same way as we have done, really, with the aerospace industry, where that uh, you will have to have fully auditable development, testing, and uh, operational uh, systems. In other words, that if there is a if there is ever an issue, you can go right back to to every single line of code in effect that was affecting that to work out where it went wrong. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a you know there's a range of uh, issues like that. Probably one that everybody's aware of at the moment. You mentioned Google, Facebook is another example. They they, they have a range of issues around. Um, privacy, their algorithmic bias, the manipulation of data and so forth. And if you think about it, Facebook is probably the prime, the prime example of a company whose business model is built entirely upon your data. Correct. And uh, yeah, so it seems like somehow or another, I think the only way of correcting that, so interestingly, their response, of course, to any issue so far has been to um, really to try and use things like lobbying um, and PR to get over them. So instead of trying to solve the fundamental problem, they're trying to react and minimize it or do whatever they do. Whereas I think actually their real answer ought to be to look at their business model and see what they can do about the fundamental problem, which to me the only way of solving that one would be to give customers the right to opt out and maybe pay them uh, instead of, uh, you know, pay them a fee for using their service instead of allowing them to use your data to make money from you. Right. Yeah. So you've mentioned that uh, as a as a hope for and a need for all these issues, probably legal sanction, which I agree yes. with you. Um, yeah. So there is probably a need for some regulation in place and an indication I think of so. wrong, right or wrong. Yeah, I think that's the case. The issue is making sure that whatever legal sanctions you put in place uh, do not stifle innovation, because clearly we're talking about something that could be immensely beneficial to us all. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's protecting us. And that's really the point about the, the kind of guidelines we've discussed is they should be there to make sure that we are protected and things are done for our benefit. But they also need to recognize that, you know, you need to be innovative because that's that's what life is about. Absolutely. So do you see, um, do you have an indication that businesses and technology companies are going to behave responsibly? Uh, yeah, I think so. Most business leaders I've spoken with are very keen to be, to behave responsibly and to be seen to do so. They know that they have to do that. They want to do that personally. 
in most cases, in nearly all cases, but they also, um, you know, know that they will have to in future. And that's the point I was making about in a, in a digital world where information is widely available. If a company is not sustainable and not behaving in the right way, it's quite likely consumers will go elsewhere. And uh, the bad news really for me is that the, techn- the technology se- sector generally is it a bit of an exception. You know, they, they're, um, their general concern is with innovation, making profits, moving faster than other people. It's not necessarily about am I doing the right thing or not. And uh, that's what worries me about that sector. Really. Yeah, definitely. So for, for businesses that are looking to implement AI into their lives, for example, in a very practical scenario, um, what would be your advice in terms of um, ensuring that, you know, these systems are complying with these principles and they are ethical? Well, I think, uh, number one, read the guidelines, or if you don't have the time to do that, to employ somebody who has read them uh, so that they can um, get involved at a very early stage with your project team um, in the de- in the system definition and the requirements definition stage. Uh, whether that's a technology company building a generic system for a big company or a big company building their own uh, special system doesn't really matter. The same thing applies. But involve, you know, an, an effectively an ethicist, an ethicist, you know, somebody who understands those guidelines yeah. and what's required. And in particular, in future, um, your legal team will have to understand any legal requirements as well, although there aren't many of those at the moment. And um, and make sure, but make sure that they are part of that project team, and and therefore the, you should be able to ensure that the practical. Uh, implications are dealt with uh, at an early stage. I'm not saying that we that we would then always make the right decision because that's a different matter entirely. But at least if you involve people with that kind of background, you know that the implications uh, of your systems are going to be considered in ethical terms. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I think we're getting short of time, Steve. But thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. For for people trying to reach reach out to you, what is the best contact? Uh, the easiest way to reach me is uh, at Ethical AI Limited. Um, so you can find me uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Stephen Hill, and it's Ethical AI Limited. Uh, or you could send me an email if you want my email ID. Uh, it will be uh, sjh at ethicalai.co.uk. Great. Well, thank you again, and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Kelly. Bye now.